Well, good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for braving the cold. Um, for those of you that are wondering where the uh, worship folders, where the bulletins are this morning, um, usually Jason prints those out, and uh, many of you probably saw the e-news. <clears throat> if you didn't, Jason's mom had a series of seizures um, on, I think it was Monday and a Tuesday, and um, they really did not expect that she was going to make it. Um, pretty much miraculously, I, uh, her family said it was almost... Uh, at the same moment when she started to hear her family's voice and their voices around, the, around her bed in the hospital, she, she came out of it. And um, so uh, she is off the breathing tube and doing well. So thank you for your prayers. Um, the downside of that is uh, that Jason is stuck in Newark. <laughs> he, uh, he purposely was going to fly back early so he didn't get stuck in the storm. Um, but what they didn't think about was the fact that they were going to shut down the airport so the planes wouldn't get stuck in Rochester. So he's in a hub in Newark, New Jersey, waiting for the storm to pass. He thought he was going to be back today. No, no. The storm will continue to go, and supposedly. So thanks for being here. Thanks for not listening to the, uh, the uh, hype about the uh, crazy six feet of snow we were supposed to get today and just nuts but uh, today we're, we're going to continue our, our journey our winter journey finding our way to Christmas and particularly we're going to be in the book of Isaiah and also in the book of Matthew uh, we've been in the book of Isaiah uh, quite a bit actually during Lent Lent I, I'm picking up from Scott from Advent um, uh, we're going to Look at Isaiah 35. So if you want to find your place there, remember that Isaiah is one of the major prophets, and that comes after the wisdom literature, which comes after the historical books, which comes after the uh, Torah or the Pentateuch. Um, so uh, find your place there. Put a finger in Isaiah 35. And today's message is, is uh, titled, the, the Wild Road We Travel. And I don't know about you, but I'm hoping that many of you have experienced in your Christian walk some wild adventures. And uh, we're going to look at a couple of those today throughout Scripture. Um, when I think of wild adventures, one of, one of the guys that comes to mind is, uh, his name is uh, Pastor Harvey Carey. He's a pastor out in Chicago. And he was going through church planter training the same time that, uh, that I was going through it. And so uh, Harvey, really interesting guy. He's got some amazing stories. He's been a pastor for a while and part of some inner city churches throughout uh, the country in various places. And he was telling us this story of just one of the variety of, of adventures that he's been on, the wild road that he's traveled. Um, Harvey has a, has a reputation in the cities that he's in. Uh, he goes into, very purposefully, goes into some of the hardest, toughest city, uh, parts of the city, uh, drug-infested, houses worn down, and uh, just kind of breathes new life into cities. And he has successfully shut down drug houses, uh, corners that uh, drugs are being sold on, and various other things that are bringing the city down. He does things like... This is a son and uh, father night. Son and father night. You think, oh, you know, sons and fathers get together, they go bowling or something like that. No, no, no. Harvey, the way he does his son and father night is he tells the families to 
bring a tent and some sleeping bags. We're going to pitch a tent out in front of the crack house in our neighborhood. And we're going to make sure that no crack is dealt there, at least for that night. That's his idea of a father-son outing. That's a wild road right there, friends. And uh, they've done other things like given everybody in the church one of those, he talked to Kodak and made a deal with Kodak and they all got the disposable Kodak cameras and set them out to known drug locations in the city. And when cars would come up, they, people from the church would sit there with their Kodak cameras and take pictures of the cars going by. They'd take the driver's license and the picture of the people in the car to cut down on people driving through and getting their drugs in his area of the city. Needless to say, that didn't sit well with a lot of the drug dealers. And Harvey was telling us a story about this one drug dealer who basically kidnapped him and took him and sat him in a room, put him in a chair, tied his hands behind his back and told him to stop doing what he was doing because it was ruining his drug business. Harvey said, no way. This is what God has called me to do. I'm called to clean up the streets. You know, you are uh, making the streets dirty. You are making the streets a place of evil and a place, place of uh, uh, fear for people. So I can't stop. Guy took out a 9 millimeter, put it to his head, said, you need to stop. Harvey said, no, can't do it. He said, even if you kill me, this is going to keep going on and we're going to run you out. The guy pulled the trigger and it clicked. It was a misfire. Harvey told the guy, you shall not touch God's anointed. And I guess that was enough to freak the guy out that he let him go. Harvey's had some wild adventures. He's been on some crazy roads. And, I, you know, I've been on some crazy roads too. I, 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 we've uh, done things like gone on mission trips over the Czech Republic and lost one of our team in London, England. That was crazy. Some of you have heard the story. Some of you haven't. I won't go into it right now, but, uh, but that was a, a fun adventure. Uh, uh, Sean Beeler, who's not here, but many of you know Sean, he was with Beck and I trying to, to find one person in the entire city of London. Um, so that was an adventure, and uh, it turned out well, actually. But in, in Scripture, I, I, it talks about these wild adventures, and I think so often... Christianity, when people are, are thinking about Christians and Christianity, man, they think about dull, boring life. No fun, no adventure, just kind of sitting around reading your Bibles all day. In fact, when I, when I first was really getting on the path, when God got a hold of me and, and uh, was telling me that I needed to change my life around, um, I was seeing a, a girl at the time, and I told her straight up, I said, look, if we continue to see each other, here's how it's going to be. Uh, no more sex, uh, we can't fool around, no heavy petting, not even any light petting, okay? And we'll see, we'll see how, uh, we'll see, and, you know, and we'll, what do you think about that? I can't hear you, so. The... Uh, her response was, well, what are we going to do? Sit around and pray all day? 
And that was her kind of idea of what someone who, who is a Christian, a Christ follower, um, someone that's given their heart to Christ would do. Boring, dull. And honestly, I think if we look at Scripture and how some people that have truly given their heart to Christ and are truly living this adventure and walking with Jesus, it is a wild road. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. So one of the things we've been doing in Advent is looking at this time of the, the church year through the perspective of John the Baptist, who's been arrested and is sitting in prison. John has uh, sent his disciples to Jesus because he had some pretty big expectations of what this Savior was going to be. He was going to change things, turn things around, just throw off the yoke of Roman oppression. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 3, in the second part of that, John sends out his disciples and says to them, you go and you ask Jesus, are you the one that we're waiting for or do we wait for another? Are you the one that is to come or are we to wait for another? And I think that's a, a question that we all struggle with at times. And so I'm really happy that we're, we're using that as kind of a driving verse as we're getting into our uh, series this, this year in, in the season of Advent. I think as John's sitting there, potentially he may be remembering some of the wild and crazy times that, that he's had in his own adventures with, with his faith. You know, God has called him. His parents have told him that, that he is to be this prophet, the one that's preparing the way for the Savior, for the Christ, the Messiah. And John has faithfully done that. He's had some crazy things. He does things like wears camel hair, which if you've ever felt a camel is not comfortable. He does things like eat locusts and, and honey and challenge the, the powers that be. The entire religious system of the time, he calls them a brood of vipers. And challenges what they're teaching and what they're doing. He even took his cousin, Jesus, and baptized him. And man, I would have liked to have been there that day when, when this booming voice from heaven says, Behold my son. And the dove sits on Jesus. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? I mean, Scripture talks about this dove coming down and lighting on Jesus. You know, does it sit on his shoulder or on his head? Or what, what does this dove do? And the Holy Spirit coming down on, on, on Jesus. And so John's had some pretty wild adventures himself. And in fact, if you want to flip over to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 11... John has just asked the question, told his disciples to go and ask Jesus this question, are you the one to come or are we to wait for another? In other words, are you the Messiah or should we wait for another? And, and we're going to pick it up in Matthew 11, verse 4. Jesus turns to John's disciples and says, go back to John and tell him this. Go and tell John what you hear and see. 
The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And last week we talked a little bit about why it is so important to know our scriptures. And one of the reasons why I, I think this reemphasizes uh, reemphasizes why it's so important to know Scripture is here we have Jesus saying some words, things like the lame are healed and they they walk and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and lepers are cleansed. What Jesus is doing is he's actually quoting the Old Testament or the First Testament. He's quoting from the prophet Isaiah. Remember, we've, we've spoken a few times in the past few weeks about Isaiah and his words. What Jesus is quoting is from Isaiah 35, or at least part of it is from Isaiah 35. In verses 4 through 8, I invite you to write this down and check this out during the week if you would like to go back and, and kind of review these things. So Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 8. Isaiah says, Say to those who are fearful of heart, Be strong. Do not fear. What does he say next? Here is your what? Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. So that's kind of what John was expecting, this this vengeance and terrible recompense. Then it goes on in verse 5. It says, The eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless will sing for joy. See, there's a great idea in, in biblical study that says that when Jesus quotes things, you can't just look at where it is in Scripture and just take it kind of out of, uh, of the text and proof text it. What Jesus oftentimes and what... what teachers of that time would often do is when they would quote things, they would expect that the people that they are speaking to would know the scriptures well enough. So if I say this one verse, they realize I'm referring to this entire psalm or this entire chapter or this entire uh, book of Isaiah. And so when Jesus says, go and tell John the blind receive the sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and so on and so forth, he's saying... Tell John to read Isaiah 35. Now, of course, they didn't have chapter and verse back then, but tell him to read the scroll of Isaiah. And in that, your question of, are you the one that is to come, is hidden. When I quote this chapter and verse from Isaiah, because it says, here is your God. Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. And I think John would have to, as he hears those words, kind of take a sigh. Know that he's not getting out of prison, most likely. Most likely he's going to die there. But it's been a wild road up till now. And perhaps John thinks about some of the other people in Scripture and their wild adventures. And, 
And I think that we can learn a lot from, just as Jesus kind of reflected back on, on the writings of, of the First Testament and told John to take hope in those, I think we can do the same because many of us, God is calling to a wild adventure. And I won't, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm assuming that many of us sitting here this morning are, are Christ followers. Some of you may be on the path and the journey and haven't made that decision for Christ yet. We hope that you do because it is a wild road. For those of us that are uh, Christ followers that have excuse me, made that step of faith in our lives, are you on a wild road? Are you on a crazy adventure? Are there things going on in your life that you're just like, you know what, I have no idea how that happened, but praise God. That's cool. And if not, I want to challenge all of us to think about why that is. Are we living a safe faith? It's really easy to do in our country. You know, Beck and I, when we were, when first started, when I finished seminary, we were offered a safe option. We were offered a position at a mega church in Michigan. And it sounded great. Would have gotten a real paycheck. Would have been really good. But that wasn't what God was calling us to. He was calling us to this radical adventure of trying to start a, something new here, something that was reaching a group of people that, that no other church in the city of Rochester was reaching. And it's been a wild ride. If you would have told me that starting a, a church would have involved getting a group of 30 people together and then, and then starting as monthly preview services where we went from 81 month, yes, 80. That means we're right on track to 60 the next month. Whoa, what's going on? 40 the next month. Hey, this is not the way it's supposed to happen. To down to 20 and 30 the next couple months after that keeping that going for another couple, six months or so, and then eventually getting the boot in the pants from our coach saying, you either change this or we're yanking your funds. And then merging together with this other really weird church called CapEx Day. Who's ever heard of CapEx Day? Name your church something Latin. That's crazy. Yeah, I see those three hands. Okay. Four. And I shot it up at the last minute. No, I did, Really? No, we merged. If you would have told me that that would have been the way that we, we formed an artisan, that we were going to merge with another church, I, I would have said that's crazy. But it's a crazy adventure, a wild road. Things have changed completely. Things that we started doing, we're not doing anymore. Things that we thought we were going to do, we're not doing. Things that we th said we would never do, we're doing now. So, you know, it's just a wild, crazy road and a great adventure. So what is the wild, crazy road that God is calling you to? What is that thing that's been on your heart that you've been saying, you know what, God, I, I can't see how that's going to happen. Maybe some of you, God's calling into the mission field, calling overseas. Maybe some of you, God's calling into the mission field right here in Rochester, because there is one. There's a lot of need and a lot of stuff that we can do right here in our own city. So what is it that God is calling you to? And maybe, maybe you're like Moses. You've been called to an adventure in social justice. And man, his, his story is crazy. If you would have told him that, you know, the way that you're going to lead hundreds of thousands of your people out of Israel is, number one, kill an Egyptian, bury him in the sand, 
have your people tell you, oh, we saw what you did. Ah, ah. Go into hiding for 40 years while you tend sheep. Then after 40 years, you'll see a burning bush. And you'll go and speak to the burning bush. <laughs> and the bush will tell you to lead the people out. And oh, if you don't believe it, well then take your staff and throw it on the ground and it'll turn into a snake. And that by your very word and the command of God, you'll have these plagues of flies and locusts and frogs and rivers turning into blood and, and things like water parting in front of you so that you can walk through this huge sea. I think Moses would have said, you got to be nuts. You're crazy. But that was his wild road, his crazy adventure. Maybe God is calling you to be someone that speaks into other people's lives and helps them to understand that there's a problem there, that they're separated from God and that they, they need God in their lives. You know, Jonah was a, a person that had that calling in his life. And, and maybe some of you are doing the same thing that Jonah did. Jonah basically said, no honking way, turned around, you want me to go north? Okay, I'm going south. And went totally the other way. And with good reason, because... A lot of, we don't know a lot of what was going on at that time, but Jonah was called to the city of Nineveh, the city of Assyrians. And Assyrians were a pretty cruel people. When they would take over a city, they wouldn't just go in and take it over. Oh, hello, how are you? Nice day. We've come to take your city. We have a flag. And um, no, we're not doing that. No, see, what they would do is they would go in. Uh, basically, they would capture all the men. They would rape the women, kill the children. They would take the men out, skin them alive bury them in the sand up to their necks, take their tongues, pull their tongues out, pierce their tongues into the ground until they were, and then just leave them there until they were dead. When they're dead, they'd cut their heads off and pile their heads in a little pile to show the people of other cities around that Assyria has taken the city and you don't want to mess with us. And God said, I care about Nineveh and these people and I want you to go to them and tell them to repent. I would say no honking way too. And so Jonah goes the other way. And then he has this wild adventure of being swallowed up by a, well, thrown overboard from a ship, swallowed up by a great fish, in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights, thrown up on dry land, where? Nineveh. Well, that was convenient. And goes to then Nineveh and, and tells them, you know, reluctantly, 30 days and you're gonna die, okay? Gotta go. And then goes and watches from the hill as, you know, he expects God to rain fire down on top of them like Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, but it doesn't happen and people change their ways. Jonah's adventure was crazy. And maybe God's calling you to a crazy adventure. There was a, another personality in scripture, Elijah. This can be found in 1 Kings if you want to look it up. 1 Kings 18. And Maybe you're being called as someone that kind of gets people back on the right track. Maybe they've strayed a little bit in their faith. These are people that are supposedly Christians or God followers, God fears, and they've walked away from their faith. Or, or maybe they're not necessarily walking away from their faith, but they've got other gods, mammon perhaps, money, or something else in their life. Maybe God is calling you to be an Elijah in their life. And Elijah's story is... is 
I love this story. This is fantastic. He, he challenges the prophets of Baal. See, what was happening was the people of Israel were kind of divided in their faith. Half of them would, or not half, but half their time would be spent worshiping Baal, and the other half of their time would be spent worshiping Jehovah. And Elijah said, enough of this. There is one true God, and that is Jehovah. Worship him. But just in case there's any doubt in your minds, I challenge the prophets of Baal to come, and we're going to have a little face-off, a little duel. So bring us two oxen. And so they wheel in these two or, or carry in or lead in these two oxen. And uh, Elijah says, okay, here's what. You pick the one that you want, okay? You, so you pick, in other words, he's telling them, you pick the best ox out of the two. I'll, I'll take the lesser of the two. So you pick the be- best ox. Slaughter it. Put it on an altar. Prepare it. Call out to your God and see if your God consumes this with holy fire. Okay? So the priests and prophets of Baal, and when we say prophets, there's probably somewhere in the order of about 600 prophets of Baal doing this. Prepare their offering, put it on the altar. They start crying out to their God. They start cutting themselves. In Scripture, it talks about how it, not just like little cuts, but I mean, these are, these are like, you know, emo cuts. They're gushing with blood. And um, <laughs> the, <laughs> was that bad? No. They start cutting themselves, and, and uh, blood is gushing over their bodies. And Elijah's just taunting them. He says, you know, maybe you're not shouting loud enough. Shout louder. He says, maybe your God is pursuing. It's kind of a, a, a phrase. That it, it, it means pursuing, but it means, it means pursuing the toilet. Maybe your God's taking a leak. You've got to do more here, people. And so he lets him go from morning to afternoon, and then he says, all right, enough, you've had your chance. So Elijah builds this altar and, and boom, cuts his ox in half, lays it out on the altar, and says to the people, all right, we're going to make this really interesting. I'm going to dig a ditch around this altar. So he digs a ditch. It's pretty deep. And he says, take these four jars. Go fill them up with water. Douse the ox in the altar with the wood with water. So they go and do it. And he's like, all right, do it again. So they go and they do it again, douse it with water. One more time. Do it one more time. So they douse it with water. So 12 jugs of water on this thing. And then he cries out to God and he says, God, rain down fire, take this offering. And thing goes up in flames so hot, even the water in the ditch around it is lapped up into these flames. He says, well, I guess I showed you a thing or two. Jehovah is the real God. And then he says, okay, get all the prophets of Baal. We're going to go down to this wadi and we're going to kill them all. And, and takes care of those prophets. So maybe you're called to that. <laughs> maybe you're called to call down fire and, and slaughter a bunch of prophets. I don't know. No, I don't think we do that these days. But maybe you are called to turn people's hearts back to the one true God. And friends, that can be a wild adventure. You may not be calling down fire to consume offerings, but you may be calling on the hosts of heaven to pull somebody from the gates of hell. And it can be a wild ride. Jesus himself is, has his own wild story. You know, he was born of a virgin. Technically, she should have been stoned because she obviously had sexual relations outside of marriage. 
that resulted in a pregnancy. Uh, after that, this guy Herod gets all freaked out because this train of kingmakers comes into his country and says, where is the one that was born king of the Jews? And so Herod decides that he's going to slaughter all the children three years old and under. And he escapes that. And he kind of grows up in obscurity until he's about 12, 13 years old. We see him again in the, in the temple as a 13-year-old boy teaching the priests and the prophets. And then he starts his ministry at 30. Spends three years teaching people only to be betrayed, beaten, whipped, crucified, mocked, dead and buried. But then rose again. That's a wild adventure. To show that we can have new life. A little bit later in that chapter in Matthew, in verse 11, so Matthew 11, 11, and I invite you to, again, write this down and check this out this week, but Matthew 11, 11 says this, Jesus is talking about John the Baptist after he tells them, go back and tell John about the lame walking and the blind seeing and the, hearing, the, the deaf hearing. Jesus says about John, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. No one. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. It's kind of an odd phrase. Of those born of a woman, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Yet, those in the kingdom of heaven the least of which is greater than he. And as we're thinking about our own wild ride and our, our just this crazy adventure that I think God is calling us to, and friends, again, if, if, if your life is not experiencing those crazy times of up and down and you're not real sure how this is going to work out, maybe you're living a, a faith or your walk or your journey is just a little bit too safe. And I don't think that's what God is calling us to. I think God is calling us to this radical, crazy, wild road. His vision for you is a wild journey with Christ, our Savior. I want to close with a, with a poem this is a fantastic poem. It's written by Sir Francis Drake, who some people consider to be a, a ruthless pirate. Um, but he wrote some good poetry. <laughs> and uh, the, the poem is called Disturb Us, Lord. And some of you may have read it. Some of you may have heard it before. But I would like to, uh, to read this to you now. And you can Google this at home. I, I, man, this is one of those poems that I would stick in a book or stick on a mirror or something like that that I would see often, maybe put on your refrigerator at home, just as a reminder. I think this wraps up what we're talking about with these wild and crazy adventures that Christ and God is calling us to this wild faith. 
And so l listen to these words. I, I think they're also going to be up on the screen here. You can watch and, and read them along or, or just you know, take them in through the, through the ear gate if you want to. The poem says this. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of a new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your majesty. We're losing sight of land. We shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. So let's pray together. Let's ask God's continued blessing on our time and, and uh, on his words that he's spoken to us today. And maybe this poem by Sir Francis Drake will, will resonate with you. Um, maybe it's something that you can, again, post somewhere at home to remind us that God has called us to a wild road. Crazy adventure. Not reckless, but in following after him, we just really don't know where things are going and how they're going to happen. And so let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for these words of your prophet Isaiah, of your son Jesus Christ as they're recorded in Matthew, that first and foremost tell us that Jesus is God, that he is the one spoken of in the First Testament that will right the wrongs. Thank you for calling us to this grand adventure, this wild road. And Lord, convict our hearts if we are living a safe faith. Help us to live our faith with just reckless abandon trusting that you will provide, trusting that you will keep us safe, trusting that even in the midst of the storm, that we will find you there. And Lord, many of us might be in times of prison like John is. Help us to find our faith and our comfort in you. And Lord, many of us might reach the place where we realize that we're not going to get out of this time of, of uh, prison or death, and death. And help us to still find that peace in your word, 
in the stories of the people that have faithfully followed after you, in the hope which Christ has shared with us, that we can enter into this kingdom of heaven where the least of us in this kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist himself. Thank you for opening those doors and creating the way, the road to you. And thank you, Lord, that it is a wild road. We look forward to the adventure with you through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we'd like to respond to God's word, and uh, one of the ways that we do that here every week is through table, through the gift of the Eucharist, which is just a, a celebration of what Christ did. The bread representing Christ's broken body, the cup representing his shed blood, and also the, this new covenant, this covenant that replaced the law, that said, all you need to do is believe in me and accept that I have paid the price for you. And it's represented, Christ is represented, Jesus is represented through this broken bread and this cup on the table. We invite you to come up and break a piece of the bread off and dip it in either the wine or the juice. And just remember, reflect on, celebrate what God has done and just the wild and crazy adventure he's called us to. If you would like a, a time of prayer, we also have a, a kneeling station over here, and I'm going to pull a couple of chairs over. And uh, if you'd like a time of, of just praying with a pastor, we'll be over here. Um, or just praying by yourself silently. There's a, a kneeler over on the side here. You can respond that way. And so I'd like to open up the table for us to, to celebrate what God has done in our lives and, and for us through his son Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and so please come to t table and, and celebrate our Lord with us.